This is part two of a two-part series about the Franklin Expedition, an Arctic expedition that set out to chart the Northwest Passage, and also about my own trip aboard an Arctic cruise with my bunkmate John Stewart following in their path. If you haven't listened to it yet, I suggest you go back and listen to part one. And now, part two. Sometime in the early 1900s, in the northern islands of the Canadian Arctic, an Inuit girl named Humahuk was out with her father walking across the ice and rocks. She was about seven or eight at the time, and Humahuk and her father were out looking for driftwood when something bright caught her eye. A glint of light, the sun reflecting off of an odd metal object. And there, laying in the snow of the vast Arctic plain, she found a single engraved dinner knife. It was a relic of a long-lost crew, and one key in unlocking the fate of the Franklin Expedition. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, an exploration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we follow the Franklin story to its end, and we get to the end of John and my expedition as well. After this... Last time I took a road trip. How many national parks could I hit in two weeks? What about hotels? Wait, hey Erica, how much am I spending on travel? When your questions about life turn into questions about money, there's Erica, the virtual financial assistant to help you spend, save, and plan smarter. Only from Bank of America. What would you like the power to do? Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Your chat may be recorded and monitored for quality assurance. Message and data rates and additional terms may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. If you're looking for a place where the wide-open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites— along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. There was a huge bump. Uh, This is about 15, 20 minutes after the big bump, and uh, it feels like the ship is trying to pull itself off a rock. That's ship. what they said. They said, yeah, we've grounded. We've actually grounded the yeah. ship. So, uh, you can feel molten. That's John Stewart of Thunder Bay, Canada. He was my 91-year-old bunkmate on the academic Iofi, an Arctic cruise ship that was following in the path of the Franklin Expedition. The Franklin Expedition was a famous Arctic voyage that left in 1845 to chart the Northwest Passage, but instead found themselves stuck in the ice. And on my trip, to follow in the footsteps of an Arctic voyage where things had gone incredibly wrong, things had gone incredibly wrong. As John said, about 15 minutes earlier, our cruise ship had hit a rock with an enormous crash, throwing people to the ground. 
Outside on the deck, you could hear the Arctic wind absolutely howling. The Russian crew was running around with their life jackets already on, shouting in Russian. John and I sat in our cabin, waiting. We've been told at this time to get into our heavy gear, and that's about where we are right now, just waiting for our next set of instructions. And Inside, people were beginning to mill about. The crews had shut the bar down, but the buffet line was still operating. It had to be the most awkward, nervous buffet I have ever been a part of. And wherever you were on the ship, inside or out, you could hear and feel the engines grinding as they struggled to pull us off this rock. At least until they shut them down. And the ship went quiet. I can remember sitting in the cabin waiting to be told what we were going to do. I don't think anybody panicked that I saw. Everybody was calm and accepted what had happened. And uh, I think everybody accepted their fate. In September of 1847, John Franklin and his Arctic expedition had been gone for over two years. Franklin had known before he left that it would take years to get through the Arctic, and no one expected to hear from him within a year. And two years didn't seem that far out of the ordinary. But Franklin's wife, Lady Jane Franklin, she was beginning to worry. She wrote to another famous Arctic explorer, Sir John Ross, and urged him onward in a rescue mission. She wrote, Should it be you to rescue them from peril or death, you will have your reward. Sir John Ross, the explorer Lady Franklin was hoping would rescue her husband, had himself spent four years surviving in the Arctic, and he was a longtime friend of the Franklins. In 1848, more than three years after the Franklin expedition had departed, Ross set out alongside two other expeditions, each approaching from a different angle, all in the hopes of finding the Franklin expedition. Instead, they found nothing. There's Captain Ross and many more. In vain they cruised round the Arctic shore. Those would be the first rescue expeditions of many, many to follow, often with Lady Franklin as the motivating force behind them. The English public followed along with bated breath, finding Sir John Franklin and his lost expedition became a nationwide obsession. Lady Franklin searching through the Arctic for her lost husband. In taverns across the country, ballads were sung of Lady Franklin's lament. Ten thousand pounds I would freely give To learn that my husband still did live And to bring him back to the land of life. In 1854, Nearly a decade after the Franklin expedition had first set out, and after more than a dozen rescue expeditions, one rescue mission leader, Captain Ray, returned from the Arctic with particularly grim news. He had spoken at length with the local Inuit tribes, and their stories of the expedition's fate were pretty clear. Captain Ray wrote that the unfortunate party under Sir John Franklin had met with a fate as melancholy and dreadful as it is possible to imagine. The bodies of some 30 persons were discovered on the continent. From the mutilated state of many of the corpses and the contents of their kettles, it is evident that our wretched countrymen had been driven to the last resource, cannibalism, as a means of prolonging existence. In England, this news was met with absolute refusal. 
No one wanted to even entertain the idea that their noble hero and his crew might have resorted to cannibalism, least of all his wife, Lady Franklin. Captain Ray, who brought back the stories from the Inuit, was defamed, and a wave of racism was unleashed against the Inuit. Charles Dickens referred to the stories as the vague babble of savages. But the evidence that John Franklin and his men were dead was hard to dismiss. The gravestones had already been found on Beachy Island, and later a note was discovered under a carn saying that Admiral John Franklin had actually died in 1847, long before the first rescue mission had ever even departed. But even so, much remained mysterious. None of the dozens of missions to find the Franklin expedition was ever able to find out exactly where the men had gone, much less find the wreckage of the ships. Discovering that would have to wait another 170 years, and for the world to actually listen to Inuit stories. My name is Louis Kamukak. I live in Johaven. I was born and raised here, and I'm uh, known as a local historian. That's Louis Kamukak. Louis had been collecting Inuit stories for his whole life, and Humahook, that Inuit girl who found the dinner knife, the one left behind by the Franklin expedition, that was actually Louis's great-grandmother. This is from a video that McLean's, a Canadian news magazine, made about Louis. There was one story that my great-grandmother told me. They started finding all kinds of artifacts. She said they noticed that there was a big chain going into the ocean. Her story was always in my mind, but I didn't have a clue. Until I started going to school, the teacher started teaching history and he started talking about the, the Franklin expedition. Louis' knowledge of the traditional Inuit stories and of the Franklin expedition made him a unique expert on the subject and led him to believe that he might also know the location of the missing ships. When I got old enough to travel, I started reading more and I started asking more questions to the elders about the oral history. Start trying to put the puzzle together and go out to the the known sites that were mentioned by the elders. For nearly 160 years, the whereabouts of the HMS Erebus and HMS Terror remained a mystery. But in 2014, using Inuit testimony to guide them, Louis Kamakuk led a team from Parks Canada to the site of the HMS Erebus and recorded on a map from the 1860s is the Inuit name of the area where the ship was found. And translated, it reads, the boat sank here. When I heard the news about one of the ships being found, I think it was kind of emotional for me to think about the elders that I've been interviewing. They have been right all along. And Inuit oral history was powerful and It was the only way that everything was passed down through generations. Louis Kamakuk died just a couple of years after the second ship, the HMS Terror, was discovered. Finding it was the result of a lifetime of his work collecting Inuit stories. The Royal Canadian Geographic Society called him the last great Franklin searcher. We also know more about what happened to the Franklin expedition, all of those years stuck in the ice, thanks largely to stories from the Inuit. Franklin died early, 
But the rest of the sailors died a longer, slower death. One by one, succumbing to scurvy, starvation, zinc deficiency, hypothermia. Some of the sailors may have lived as long as six or seven years out on the ice. But in the end, none of them ever made it back home. Over the course of a decade, almost 32 expeditions went out searching for Franklin. Though those rescue expeditions never found Franklin, they did end up doing what Franklin was unable to. They effectively charted the Northwest Passage, and it was successfully navigated by Norwegian explorer Roald Amundsen in 1906. Luckily for John and I, we didn't suffer quite the same fate as Franklin. We were eventually rescued. It was really only 24 hours later. But it was a long 24 hours. And the real possibility of disaster had hung over all of us. Just the sense that we had come to a place without really knowing how to survive there. As we took our Zodiacs across the ocean and loaded onto our new ship, relief washed over everyone. (laughs) It was only 8 a.m. in the morning, but the bar was open, and John and I made ample use of it. It was glorious. So, anyway, be fun being with you, (laughs) John. You too, John. (laughs) Take care. Don't forget. Pray for Amazon. Yes. That was almost three years ago. Calling John. So lucky he wrote down his information on an index card, and then I took a picture of it. Hello? Hi. Is this John Stewart? It is John Stewart. Oh, my word, John. It is. Okay, let me tell you. <laughs> my name is Dylan, and we were shipwrecked oh, together. <laughs> yeah. For heaven's sake. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing fine. How are, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing okay. I uh, clicked over to the 93 the other day. And, uh, <laughs> when I was writing this story, I, I knew I needed to give John a call. And when I talked to him... What I found out was that wasn't John's last trip. Franklin never made it to Beachy Island and back, and I never even made it to Beachy Island. But you know who did? I took the uh, uh, the next cruise. You went back out. You went back out on another ship. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, I had a great time. <laughs> but I was hoping that you would be there and we'd be cabin mates again. I would have loved that. I wish, oh, that would have been great. Well, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that you, you made it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were up above the Arctic Circle, actually. Then we went ashore, uh, landed at the grave site. There are just four uh, wooden slab headstones there uh, with a brass plaque on each one. At 93, you've, you've lived quite a full life. Do you have any advice for, you know, I'm, I'm 38 now, which to me feels like well on in my years. I've got two young kids. Do, do you have any advice for, for me or anyone else? Always be kind to people. Learn to forgive. Have purpose in life. 
and uh, friends are one of your most important assets. Uh, cherish them. I have a memory of John that I will never forget. That last time at the bar, when the two of us were together in person, having just been rescued from a stranded ship, drinking a beer at 8 in the morning, and in the background, someone put on a famous song about Franklin. People in the bar began singing along. Whether we meant to or not, we had truly gotten to experience a tiny bit of what it felt like to be out on the Franklin Expedition, to follow our curiosity, to embark in the spirit of adventure, and to sail out in Franklin's path, to take one last trip. Tracing one warm line through a land so wide and savage, and make a northwest passage to the sea. I want to give a special thanks to Louis Kamakuk's family and McLean's, the Canadian news magazine, for letting us use that video. And to Ariel Rogers, Stan Rogers' daughter, for letting us use her father's beautiful song, Northwest Passage. This podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. Our production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Sarah Wyman, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore, Peter Clowney, Manolo Morales, our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was sound designed by John Delore and mixed by Luce Fleming. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. Thanks for coming with me on this adventure, and I'll talk to you soon. Witness Docs from Stitcher. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where One Travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com slash music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel. The most exciting part of a vacation stay at a home rental? Easy. It's being greeted upon arrival with a rusted lockbox affixed to the underside of a stranger's condo. Yeah, you simply twist knobs, click gears, jiggle it, and then rip it off its moorings, and voila! Your prize is a key to a questionable home rental and maybe tetanus. When you just want to get your vacation started by actually getting into your room, it matters where you stay. At Hilton, we deliver your key right to your phone on the Hilton Honors app. Hilton, for the stay.